The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. We need to review just a little bit. We've been doing a little series on uh, navigating life, going through uh, what we're going on. Two weeks ago, this was our key phrase, remember, tender boldness. That means that we are going to, the tenderness gives us a voice because we speak kindly. The boldness gives us something we're saying. So we practice tender boldness. Wasn't that a good message? Remember that a couple of, wow. Yeah, it's, you're underwhelming. But, uh, but anyway, that was, that, that was where we went with that. And then last week, uh, we, t- we talked a little bit about the whole idea of arguments and that we t- called it arguments that don't, you, you can't really win. Basically, arguments you don't usually win. So we talked about that whole idea of what Paul did. Uh, rather than getting involved in arguments, which he could have because he was a smart guy and very educated guy, instead of getting into arguments, what he did is he decided to tell them about Jesus. He decided to inject Jesus into the situation, figuring, and this is how Paul was thinking, that uh, when Jesus comes into a life, people change from the inside out. And that's really how you're going to affect changing culture is by preaching Jesus and the gospel. And that was also pretty good. Yeah, I got to say, that was the top two or three sermons I've preached this month. Okay, now, uh, then this week, here's what we're going to look at. Uh, visual image that I want you to remember is we're going to talk about an alligator and a bear fighting. Okay. Uh, I don't know why the bear has three medals and the alligator one, but my guess is, and here's the whole idea is this is a riddle who wins a fight between an alligator and a bear. And the answer is it depends on where it is fought. That's right. Uh, if you fight in the deep water, probably you're betting on the alligator. If you fight on, uh, if they fight on land, you're betting on the bear is probably how that goes. I don't know that an alligator or a crocodile, whatever, and a bear has actually ever fought. I don't know, but uh, be a neat adventure show if you ever get to watch that. Uh, but we are going to look actually at two different passages today. We're going to look in the book of Matthew chapter 22, and then we're also going to look in the book of Acts chapter 17. But as we do that, I actually decided to go with the alligator and the bear picture today because uh, I came across a series this week, a series of sermons that somebody preached, and it was called, okay, you ready for this title? I should have stolen this for my series title, Engaging a Culture That Is Spiraling, Spiraling, no, I shouldn't because I can't say that word, Uh, Engaging a Culture That Is Spiraling, there we go, Out of Control, okay? And I read that, and I thought, um, this must have been, you know, now. This must be a current sermon. Ask me when the sermon series was. Nine, I'm sorry, 2001. 2001. That's when they were preaching. So they looked at the culture and said, everything is spiraling out of control. Uh, how are we going to engage it? So they thought that in way back in 2001. We still think that in 2021. Maybe it has stepped up a notch. But the, the idea that I want you to remember is that even in the days of Paul, you can look and say, hey, we are aliens in this culture. Even in the days of Christ, we are aliens in this culture. And maybe, yes, things are getting worse. And maybe, you know, we're saying, boy, it's worse than I can ever imagine. But still, 
uh, the principles of engaging this culture are the same. So we're going to look at that. We're going to see how Jesus did it. We're going to look at Paul. But we begin actually in the book of Matthew, chapter 22. And this starts with verse number 15. And, in, and uh, we'll see what's going on here. Then the Pharisees went and they plotted how to entangle him, that be Jesus, in his words. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Now, just to mention this for a second, the Pharisees are not happy about something, and it's called a wealth tax. New concept. <laughs> okay, just kidding. Uh, but uh, they, had, uh, they had a wealth tax, and they were not very happy about it because they were pretty wealthy. And they weren't, they weren't happy with the idea. However, there was another group called the Herodians, and they liked the wealth tax because it was bringing money into their coffers. So the point is, when they sent them to Jesus, you have both groups rep represented. You have those who want the tax, and you have those who don't want the tax. So, uh, so we've got them either way. So, and uh, they said to him, Teacher, we know that you're true and teach the way of God truthfully. Okay? You get the flattery there. Watch out. And you, can, uh, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. He's, they flattered him enough. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Tell us, notice the phrase, what do you think? Because as we look at the strategy going after Jesus, we want an opinion. Okay? Give us, give us your opinion. Make sure you interject that to us. And then also you see this question is an either or. Is it lawful or not? You have two choices, boom or boom. You know, it's like that old question they used to ask you, you know, have you stopped beating your wife yet? Well, you know, either way, you're going to lose. No, you haven't stopped. Uh, yes, you used to beat your wife. You know, either way, you're going to lose. Well, they have a question that they figure is perfectly geared towards trapping Jesus, and they have both groups there ready. Somebody's going to be unhappy, right? They have the trap all set of what they're going to do. So, um, but Jesus, aware of their malice, said, why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. They brought him in denarius, and Jesus said to them, whose likeness is on the inscription on this thing? And they said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, therefore render to Caesar's the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard it, they marveled, they don't know what to do, uh, and they left him and went away. So Jesus, we could say it like this, and I don't want to accuse Jesus of being uh, like a politician in this, but he answered the question, but he didn't answer the question. He didn't fall into their trap. In fact, uh, one of the things, first thing that I want us to take away as we engage our culture today is that if possible, we want to keep our audience. Jesus did not lose his audience to a political question as far as I'm going to drive one group away or I'm going to drive the other group away. I've told you before, back in the 90s, I, have a past, I had a pastor who hated, and that, that is, I know that's a strong word, but it's probably not a strong enough word for this. He hated the uh, Clintons. And I was going to say that. He was not a big fan of Bill and Hillary Clinton. Uh, and he didn't like them at all. But he would begin the services with the latest Bill or Hillary Clinton joke every time. So he'd get up to preach, and he'd tell a joke about Bill or Hillary Clinton, which was not usually very flattering. Uh, and I, I thought, okay, but what if there's some guests there who happen to love Bill and Hillary Clinton? Uh, you know, why would he do that? Because I thought he's going to drive half his crowd away. And he did. 
I mean, some people would walk in, they'd say, forget this place. Right away, they're turned off, and they're not going to hear the message of the gospel. Now, notice our phrase says, if possible, and I realize it is not always possible, but where we can, we want to keep our audience so that we can share the gospel with them. Now, I thought about this, okay, this phrase right here, if possible, keep your audience. Kind of sounds... If, if you wanted to criticize, you could say, kind of sounds, Pastor, like you're being a little wimpy there. You know, like, don't offend anybody. Keep everybody happy. I actually saw a, one of these things that came up on YouTube that said, 10 ways to tell if you have a wimpy pastor. I did not watch it. I thought, I'd be, <laughs> I thought it could really bring me down. I don't want to watch it. Uh, if you guys want to go home and Google that, 10 ways to tell if you have a wimpy pastor. But what I wanted to say about this, when I say, if possible, keep your audience, I do not want to. Uh, by making a political statement drive people away from the gospel, okay? And we'll get into that a little bit more. But I really don't think, and if if you'll stay with me on this message, I don't think we're going wimpy at all. In fact, I think I'm going to call you to something that uh, demands incredible boldness and incredible truth as far as what goes. So stay with me. If you want to still decide I'm wimpy, that's okay. I'll be in my office afterwards, remember, and you can come pick by one of these and say, yep, yep, I looked that up. You passed all 10, buddy. You got a 100% score. You're there. We're going to switch now from Jesus to uh, to the Apostle Paul. Last week, we looked in chapter 16. Uh, this week, we're going to pick it up. This is the beginning of chapter 17 of the book of Acts. And Paul is continuing on his missionary journey here. He has visited Philippi, and he's moving on. And when they had passed through Amphipolis, I think that there's a lot of uh, amphibians there. Amphipolis. Anyway, and Apollonia. uh, They came to Thessalonica where there were, uh, and there was a synagogue of the Jews. And remember, we mentioned this last week. He would head for the synagogue. And then Paul went in, and as was his custom, And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. He is the Messiah. Okay, let me, let's look at this for a second. So Paul goes into this town. He goes to the synagogue. Uh, He reasons with them from the Scriptures, and he preaches Jesus crucified and risen again that he is the Messiah. What I want us to remember here is that what Paul was doing is he walked in and he got on dry ground. Okay, back to our alligator or crocodile and bear. What's the crocodile going to try to do? He's going to try to drag him into the water. And I want to suggest to you that we want to do what we can in confronting our culture to stay on dry ground. What was the dry ground that, uh, that Paul found here? He said, first of all, uh, he's, he's in the synagogue. Okay, so there are people that are worshipers, they're interested in God there, but then also he's going to say in the Scriptures. He's going with the Scriptures. This is dry ground. This is something I can stand on is the Word of God. And then he's also basically, he's just going to preach Jesus. He's going to say, uh, it is Jesus who was crucified and risen again. So that's how he is navigating the situation there. Let's go on uh, with the text. And some of them were persuaded. Okay, some of them were believed enough and heard what he said enough that they changed their course of direction. That's what it means that they were persuaded. And therefore they joined. They hitched their wagon to Paul and Silas. They said, we're in on this thing. We want to be, we're, we're part of God's family. As did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women, but the Jews were jealous. And taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob. We see this a lot. And they, and the, 
they set the city in an uproar, attacking the house of Jason, which is where they were staying, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of his brothers. Jason was uh, probably a younger, younger believer there that they were staying with uh, before the city authorities shouting, here we go, here's what they said. These men uh, who have something weird just happened. These, ah, now, anybody know where I am? These men and Jason. I need to put numbers on there. Oh, the bottom's cut off. Well, do something about that. That's an important phrase. Uh, because these, these men who have turned the city upside down, does it say that somewhere down below the line? Okay, uh, that was the phrase I wanted to highlight. We don't even have it on the board uh, up there. Uh, but uh, these men have basically turned the city upside down, okay? They have caused trouble. They have stirred up issues. Now, I like that phrase about turning the world upside down for Jesus. I like that idea. But in this context, what it's saying is basically these guys are troublemakers, okay? They have caused an issue. And if, if we could just go back to this idea for a second and remember this. The gospel of Jesus Christ, when it is preached and when it gets in people's lives, it produces produces a change. Something changes in their lives. There's something different. Remember last week we talked about this woman at Philippi that uh, could tell the future, but then uh, when the Jesus comes into her life and the demon leaves her life, she can't do it anymore, and the people are upset because they're not making money anymore, and the city gets in an uproar because of that. This is what's going to happen, and we could just stop and think about this, this idea for a second. When the gospel comes into people's lives, things change. And just talking candidly with you for a minute, I always wonder about that when I look at our world. No, not even our world. When I look at the good old United States of America, there are so many people who claim to be, I'm going to use the term evangelical Christians. Now, I'm not using that as a political term. I'm using that as what the word means. It has to do with the gospel, believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. There are so many people who claim to believe that, and yet, and yet, so little real impact on our culture. Okay, and you know, Carrie, Carrie was mentioning this young lady when she said she's going to follow Jesus, and you, you get excited, then you wonder, okay, she really get, did she really get it sometimes? Because, you know, is there going to be a difference? And, and he's so excited about how the Lord worked in her life, and there's an incredible change in her life. But, you know, sometimes I think there's a lot of people that uh, they pick up that title, yeah, I'm a Christ follower, or I'm a Christian, or whatever like that. And I don't want to be insane here for a second. I have a friend who, uh, he's an evangelist, and he was somewhat famous for going into churches. Anybody know who Ray Stevens is? Old country goofball. Uh, but uh, he used to sing a song called uh, the Mississippi Squirrel Revival, which I love. The squirrel gets loose in the church and everything goes crazy. But uh, the, uh, in the Mississippi Squirrel Revival, there's a line in there that says, seven deacons and the pastor got saved. And $25,000 got raised. But uh, uh, when the squirrel goes loose and they had that revival, but that phrase, seven deacons and the pastor got saved, always reminded me of my friend because he would go into churches and he'd preach. And, and a lot of, okay, this isn't going to sound right, but I, I don't know how else to say this. He would convince folks they, they've been around church for a long time, but they're probably not really saved. And in many cases, he may 
very well have been right. So I'm not really criticizing him on that. Uh, I don't want to really play that game. My, my goal today is not to say, hey, come on, you know, we need to get more people baptized. I don't care if you were before. Let's get saved again and baptized. That's not where I'm going with that. But I do want to emphasize this, and this is just consistent throughout Scripture, and you see this in the New Testament. When Jesus, when the God of the universe takes up residence in somebody's life because they've placed their faith in Jesus Christ, things change. Okay, there's no other way to say it. And when things change, like what happened here in the phrase that didn't make it to the board, uh, is that the the world got turned upside down. They said, hey, things are crazy. Something's going on here. So what I'm saying is we don't really have to look for a fight, if you will, because even on dry land, when you're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, we want to remember that... uh, when the gospel of Christ comes into people's lives, there will be changes from the inside out, and not everybody's going to like what's going on. But if we can remember this, and this is one of those, you know, if you're not going to listen to everything, you want to listen to this statement here, maybe just remember this. We are not called to win arguments. We're called to win people. Ooh, that's good. Uh, so what we want to do is care more about people than we are about making sure that our opinion gets out there. Now let me go on. Are we in verse number seven, maybe? And Jason had received them, and they were all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is uh, another king that's Jesus. So they are accused of sedition, uh, even though that, that is not true. And the people in the city and the authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security for Jason, okay, what, what happened, the, the group kind of changes here in the story. First of all, it's the crowd that's worked up. There's another group that comes in there and they say, ah, no, that didn't happen. So they end up taking security or they let them out on bail. Uh, they let him go, and the brothers jumped. Uh, I'm sorry. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away to Berea, and when they arrived there, they went into the synagogue again, where they're going to preach. And these Jews were more noble than those of Thessalonica. They received the word with eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them, therefore, believed. Okay, many believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as some men, but when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of the Lord had been proclaimed by Paul, again, just the preaching of the word of God ticks them off here. They come to Berea. They came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Now, again, let's come back to this idea here. We want to make sure that as we navigate the life we're living in right now, as we navigate the world we're living in right now, as we confront the culture, that where we can, we stay on dry ground. We don't want to get dragged into the water. Okay? And to focus again on what his... Okay, let, let, let's go with this. I want you today, one of the things I want you to do is think about what is that patch of dry ground that you have. And God does give to some people a larger patch of dry ground. In other words, there are some areas where one person might be comfortable debating and talking and arguing and presenting a case, but somebody else might not be prepared to do that at all. And they need to stay on dry ground. I'm going to give you a, a, a way to do that in a minute here. But if God does call you and God prepares you and God challenges you, equips you to get into a, if you want to say a debate like that, go ahead and do it. I'm not suggesting that you never Uh, If you're on dry ground, go ahead and and talk to somebody. But I do want to caution you not to, uh, and sometimes thinking about that, if you have ever been in a debate class, whether in high school or college, one of the things that a good debate teacher will do is they'll say, okay, we're going to debate this issue. Here's one side and here's the other. You need to come to class. I don't know if any of you experienced this, but you need to come to class and you don't know which side you're going to be on. 
And some of you are shaking your heads. You, you've experienced that. You don't know what side you're going to be on. So you've got to know both sides of the arguments. You've got to be willing, again, to listen before you get your opinion out there. You've got to understand where the other people are coming on or, or, or coming from. And if I could strongly suggest that to you in those areas where if you are going to get off of your patch of dry ground or expand, I should say, your patch of dry ground, and you're going to talk to somebody about some of these issues, it is wise to research it. It is wise to know where they're coming from. It is wise to, to know their arguments too. Otherwise, it just turns into a shouting match, and you're, you know, sometimes your best comeback is, oh yeah? That's it. Uh, that doesn't win many arguments. So I, I want to suggest that, and by the way, maybe God will call some of you specifically to expand your patch of dry ground, to, to move in that direction. But I do want to encourage you to fight the battle, if you will, on dry ground. Don't get dragged into the water. I think that's what Jesus said. I'm not going to get dragged into the water here, boys. Here's what we're going to talk about. I think that's what Paul did over and over again. I'm not going to get dragged into the water here. We are going to talk about Jesus. That's the patch that I want to stay on here. And, you know, let me repeat again. Paul could have gone way beyond that, but he did not. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to keep from getting dragged into the water? I wanted to give you this statement here to remember. If you can hold on to this idea, somebody wants to drag you into the water, you simply say this, there is only one controversial sub subject that I will discuss with and fill in the blank. Okay, here's Thanksgiving. You ready? Now let's talk about politics. Bring it up. You know, there's really only one controversial subject that I'll discuss with family. You're done. I'll come back and finish that in a minute. That's all you say. There's, there's really only one controversial subject I'm going to discuss with family. Uh, here's, an, here's another fill in the blank. There's only one controversial subject I'll discuss with new friends or old friends or coworkers. There's only one controversial subject I want to discuss with them. And then their follow-up question is, oh, yeah, what is that? They are begging you to tell them about Jesus. Okay, right there. Uh, and that's why I said, I'm not, I'm not saying, hey, be wimpy, just keep your mouth shut, say everything like that. Actually, here's what I'm saying. I'm going to jump to this in a second, and, and then we'll come back. I'm saying if you're going to cause a sting, make sure it's worth it. If you're going to tick everybody off, make it about the gospel. And, uh, you know, if they want to discuss that, you know, and you say, well, I don't even know that I feel safe and secure on that dry ground as, as far as, as talking about Jesus. Listen, what Paul talked about, he talked about the fact that Jesus Christ died for his sins according to the scriptures. Boom. And that he rose again victorious over sin. Boom. And then you just say, hey, and it's made a difference in my life since I've known him personally. You just testify and say, this is the difference that it has made in my life. No, I don't know the answer to every theological question, and I may not know, you know, six books of the Bible, but I know that I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, and I know that he's made a difference in my life. My wife and I have been lately into sending songs back and forth. I found this song. Did you hear this one? She sent me one this week by a girl named, oh, nuts, I forgot her name, Ann. Thank how in the world did you know that? Uh, did you look at my sermon? Uh, but uh, Ann Wilson, that is her name. I knew it was a common name, Ann Wilson. But uh, she, has, <laughs> she has this song that uh, says, says, let me tell you about my Jesus. Sometimes I need help from the peanut gallery. Uh, but uh, let me tell you about my Jesus. And, you know, I'm, I'm singing that this week and, and going through. I wrote down the words. It's just uh, he makes a way when there is no way. He rises up from an empty grave. There is no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Uh, his love is strong and his grace is free. And the, and the good news is I know that he can do 
uh, what he's done, I'm sorry, do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus and let him change your life. And sometimes that's my dry ground right there, folks. Okay, so again, you, asked, you, you said uh, there is only one topic. There's only one controversial t- topic I like to discuss with whoever. And the follow-up question is probably going to be, what is that topic? And then you say, well, I'll, I'll talk about Jesus, and he is a controversial topic. I say, and I'd, I'd love to tell you what Jesus has done in my life. And again, this is not a call to wimpiness. This is a call to boldness in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let, let's say this too. There will be times when this causes a big time stink as far as that goes. There will be times when just sharing the gospel and talking about Jesus Christ, people are not going to like it. But if you're going to cause a stink, that's something worth causing a stink about is the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we could put it there. Uh, one last illustration that, that I wanted to share with you. I, I, you know me, I don't like to brag. <laughs> okay. Every chance I get, every chance I get, which is seldom, but uh, I, ne- I never have shared this with you, and I, I think you ought to be very impressed when I tell you this. I was actually the coach of a state championship basketball team. Uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you. I think I'm going to go have a plaque made up for myself later on this week uh, so I can put it up on the wall. But uh, it was <laughs> here's what happened. Uh, a little Christian school where I taught, uh, my son was moving into eighth grade, and they, uh, they didn't have a coach for the basketball team. So I said, I'll try it. Uh, the guy who had coached the year before, some of you know, is Reed Anderstrom. He's pastor over at Calvary in South Bend. And Reed is like real anal, and he was a real good coach, and he taught them all types of things. And they were pretty good in seventh grade, but he, uh, Reed had moved away uh, at the time, and uh, they needed a coach. So I stepped in. This is, this is the honest truth. First day of practice, I said, guys, you got to teach me your offense and your defense. And they said, okay. And they did. They knew it. He had taught it to them, and they, and they went through. But it's really good. We had no size, and we had nobody who could shoot. But what we had is five guys that were really quick. And in junior high, Rita taught them a defense where, and, and some of you that know basketball will be familiar with this, but as soon as the guy comes up in the middle of the court with a the basketball, there's a guy that goes up and forces them to one side or the other, right over half court. And then the other guy on that side pinches in and they trap him. And then in junior high, you know these kids don't know what they're doing. It's almost cruel. Uh, but they panic and they heave the ball somewhere. And the guy on the other side picks it up and go down. And we scored layup after layup. And yet we won the, nas- uh, the national championship. Uh, we won. <laughs> Maybe Maybe you forgot about that with the final four, but uh, but we won the uh, the state championship for the ACSI junior high that year. I was, we were pretty proud of ourselves, but it was just this idea of you trap the guy right there and, and uh, panic. Okay, here, here's the thing. Our culture wants to trap us, okay? Every once in a while, I'd come up <laughs> at this level. The coaches were mostly like me. Hey, Dad, could you coach? Sure. <laughs> oh, basketball. Uh, like that. But, uh, but it, every once in a while, I'd come up against a good coach, and he would tell his kids, hey, here's what you do. When you start going that way and you see that guy coming, back up a little bit on your dribble and kind of assess the situation. Okay, dribble backwards for just a second. Take a breath. Don't cross that half-court line just yet. Uh, take a step and find a guy to pass it to before you get trapped. That is somewhat the message of today, okay? In everything that we've been talking about in the world in which we're living, I'm trying to get us to, hey, what can we do? What we can do is share the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
That is our most powerful weapon. And I, I want to keep saying this because I don't want you to hear me wrong. I'm not suggesting that there is no place for a bold political statement or involvement here or here or anything like that. But I, I want to keep coming back to the idea that the most important thing we're going to do is share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people because that's what really can affect change, affect infect them and affect change from the inside out. So we want to keep coming back to that gospel of Jesus Christ. So what we're trying to do is give you a little bit of a strategy for that. You know, to come back to, to that. And here's, here's the thing. The world's going to do everything that it, that it can to trap us. So if I can dribble back for a second, assess the situation for a little bit, make sure I don't get trapped into the water. And I hope you can remember that statement and use that as a little tool here. Hey, there's only one topic, controversial topic, I really like, you know, will dis- am willing to discuss. That saved you a lot of trouble right there. Uh, and that topic is Jesus Christ. Don't, don't say that. Make them ask, because then they ask. Then they begged you to tell them about Jesus. Uh, so, but then when they come out with that question, hey, what is that topic? Then you say, hey, it's about Jesus Christ who died for my sins. He died for my sins on the cross, rose again victorious over sin, and I place my faith and trust in him, and he's made a difference in my life because of that. He's given me a hope that I love to sing about and rejoice in. He's given me a peace in the midst of difficulty, and because of that, you know, that's, that's really the only thing that I think worth is getting, worth getting in a discussion about with other folks. How about that? Okay, we're going to close in singing, so I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come on back up. And... Uh, Wait, I know what we're singing. Don't tell me. Cornerstone. I'm going to sing about Jesus being that cornerstone and that anchor. But, yeah, I kind of, as I'm up here, I'm kind of assessing the crowd a little bit. I think almost all of you I know and have been here before. But I never... When when Kara's talking about that whole idea of, you know, there's a lot of people who kind of they kind of connect with the church and they even connect with a group of believers but they really miss connecting with Jesus Christ I never want that to be the case here I don't don't want you to you know come here for months and say hey nobody ever really shared that with me here's what I want to share with you the Bible says and Jesus said very plainly in the scripture he said I am the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father but by me And I want to make sure that we are regularly proclaiming that only through faith in Jesus Christ is a person made right with God. It's not about coming to church. It's not about putting money in the offering plate. It's not about going and spending your life in Spain, uh, you know, for, for the gospel. And it's not about learning how to engage the culture tender with tender boldness. The only way that a person is made right with God is through the finished work of Jesus Christ and trust in him. And if that's something, you know, I mentioned I'm going to be in my office afterwards, but I if you want to reach out uh, to me there or anywhere like that, I would love to tell you more about that. I always, you know, when that's not the, the central point of, of the message, I always want to make sure I say that because it, it, is a, it is a burden of mine that there are a lot of people that they continue to come week after week and they'll say, hey, good message, Pastor, or whatever like that. But I'm, I'm like, okay, does this person really know that Jesus Christ died for them? that they are a sinner in need of Jesus Christ, that they really know that they trusted in him. So I wanted to mention that. I'm going to close now in a word of prayer, and then we're going to stand, and we're going to sing about Jesus some more. We're going to sing that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood, 
and righteous. Boy, that's that is actually an awesome line. That ought to be in a hymn. Uh, but but it is is so true that 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 is our hope. That that is what we're going with. Is is there nothing but Jesus Christ, Father? Um, I ask for wisdom. I ask that when it comes to engaging our culture and sharing you, that there be a boldness about us, and that uh, we'll see. Uh, your power work in and through us as we talk about you and talk about your word. Lord, give us the smarts to back up when we're going to be trapped, to stay on dry ground whenever possible as we engage a culture that uh, in many cases is going to be hostile to you. Uh, So, Father, help us do this, uh, is my prayer this day. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.